Welcome to Sounds Familiar, a podcast where we discuss two pieces of media that share themes, plot points, or overarching ideas. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram to keep up to date with our upload schedule, news, and discussions. Take your seat, grab your popcorn, and silence your cell phones now. Please enjoy the show. Welcome to Sounds Familiar. My name is Caleb, and I can think of a few good reasons to steal a groundhog. My name's Stephanie, and I can't keep waking up in here. Everything that we are doing is meaningless. <laughs> Pull up, Stephanie. You're in a nosedive. Uh, my name's Justin, and one time I smoked a l- bunch of crystal and ended up in Equatorial Guinea. <laughs> you guys are fun, and mine is just an accurate assessment of how I feel these days. <laughs> So is mine. (laughs) (laughs) Funny quote, existential dread. Yeah, I know. This week, we're discussing some pretty good movies. Yeah. Uh, Groundhog Day and Palm Springs. Of course, the uh, central conceit here being that the protagonist slash protagonists are stuck in a repeating day. Time loop. Yes, (laughs) that too. Um. Generally, it's the same, like, 24-hour period. Well, no. The their rules work slightly differently yeah, we'll for each of them. Yeah, we'll get into that in a little bit. But basically, but, they keep reliving the same day over and over again. Right. And we wanted to do discuss kind of the originator of this plot point and the most recent entry into the, I don't know, catalog. <laughs> the, yeah, the shared universe of uh, repeating day movies i don't know why it's made such a big uh comeback in the last like five years because we have happy death day russian doll palm springs i feel like i'm missing at least one other one that's a good point i haven't seen russian doll yet even though i really want (laughs) to see it um and uh i haven't seen happy death day either i have seen edge of tomorrow Uh, which we did talk about pairing with this i really like edge of tomorrow yeah it was good um that's true this this kind of weird little, it's not even a subgenre, it's like a particular like trope, mm-hmm. but that has just been showing up a lot lately. And of course, I suppose we could get into endless speculation about what sort of uh, societal <laughs> reasons might be for that. I guess, it, it, apart from it just being an easy storytelling device, uh, which I definitely understand the appeal of because it allows you to sort of explore these really tiny... Uh, these really tiny things that happen between people and kind of extrapolate them into like <laughs> their their general lives uh, through how they're living this one day. But also maybe on like a, a more zeitgeist level, it's because, well, <laughs> I don't know, lately we, with uh, our, our quarantining, it certainly can feel like the same day every day. <laughs> but in a more general sense, maybe just feeling like stuck in a kind of powerless situation where um, you're just seeing the same things happen over and over again, but don't feel like there's any way to stop it (laughs) would be, I suppose, the bleak way of looking at it. So this Bill Murray movie. (laughs) (laughs) I was just, I was going to say that uh, Palm Springs even kind of addresses the preponderance of this type of story. Like when he first tells her that they're stuck in a time loop. She's like, what do you mean? He's like, what What do you mean? Do I have to explain it to you? Like, he, he all but references yeah, Groundhog Day that specifically. you might have heard of. And she's like, that I might have heard of. Yeah. Thank you for remembering the line. <laughs> yeah. Or something like that. 
Um, so Groundhog Day. Yeah. Well, okay. Do we want to talk about our experiences yeah. with these movies? Yeah. So Groundhog Day is one of my favorite movies. Um, this might actually be only the second time I have ever seen it. Not on a Weather Channel marathon that they do every year <laughs> on Groundhog Day. I don't know why that's so funny to me. It just is. <laughs> The, uh, the only movies I've ever seen on Weather Channel are Groundhog Day and Joe vs. the Volcano. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also have not seen that one. <laughs> uh, um, for me, this uh, I've seen Groundhog Day. I think this is my fourth time seeing it. Um, it's, a, it's a classic. Hands down, absolute. Uh, Harold Ramis uh, at the top of his game, directing. Bill Murray at the top of his game. In his uh, comedy career, so it's just it's good, it's just good stuff. You know, it's so crazy about Groundhog Day. Every time you watch it, it's the same movie. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true of every movie, Stephanie. <laughs> yeah, but that's especially the joke, this one. Caleb. <laughs> yeah. This one is more the same than the others. And as for me, I saw Groundhog Day a few years ago at the behest of Caleb, of course, because he really likes the movie. Um, I generally enjoyed it. It very much feels like a Bill Murray movie from the early 90s, which is not my overall favorite type of movie. But uh, the the premise is so interesting to watch unfold. Like, um, it's it's just so cool to start seeing the, the different ways that they learn to react to, to what's happening around them. Uh, and you always kind of wonder what's going to happen next time because at a certain point in the movie, you get used to kind of the pattern like the character does and you want to see how things start changing. Um, so, so yeah, I, I definitely enjoy it. Phil Connors is a weatherman in Chicago. Uh, <laughs> Phil, <laughs> Phil also being the name of the groundhog. Yeah, I don't really I, understand. Why do that? that? I don't know. He is, is the is groundhog. Is the groundhog also stuck in a time loop? Well, oh I God. think he... Uh... Did Bill Murray have to see his shadow before he could escape the time loop? <laughs> he had to confront the shadow he self? He had to confront his shadow. I mean, oh, yeah, I think we may have just figured it out. I took it as kind of a twisting of the knife thing. He, um, He's not happy uh, with his career and this groundhog getting... Like all this praise and celebration, having the same name as him, and he's constantly like the most famous weatherman. This fucking groundhog. <laughs> I, I agree. I think it's just irony, poetic justice, yeah, poetic sure. irony. <laughs> um, so it basically starts off with him being kind of a, I don't know. He he's kind of a douchey guy. He's not even like a terrible person. He's just more like he's kind of a, a not great person. He's not, he doesn't care about other people. Right. He's other very... people try to be nice to him and he's just cool, whatever, don't want it, thanks. Yeah, he's just um, up his own ass. He did the, the movie starts just right in with the jokes. He he oh, he yeah. spits out like five or six just in like the opening 30 seconds. Yeah. Um with the up in the Pacific Northwest they'll have some very tall trees. <laughs> just very dry stuff yeah. that I can only assume he he made up, but I'm not willing to you know deny Harold Ramis credit because he probably wrote the script. I don't know. Uh, screenplay was co-written by Danny Rubin and Harold Ramis, uh, and Harold Ramis directed it. So thank you, Justin, from the chair. <laughs> yeah, Justin's our guy in the chair tonight. Um, so what kind of kicks this off? He gets sent to. 
Oh, Punxsutawney, gosh. PA, Punxsutawney. for the third year in a row. Yeah, he has to cover it for the, uh, every year. Right. And in the beginning, his his position is kind of unclear. It's like, is he the weatherman? Why is he at the desk? Why is he acting like such a big talent? And then at like the thirty minute mark or something, he explicitly says he's a weatherman. I'm like, oh, this was not very clear. Yeah. I mean, even though the the first song that plays in the movie is Weatherman. <laughs> Which, well, wh- why know. is that a song? Um, so he gets sent to Punxsutawney. He predicts that there's going to be a blizzard that like doesn't form over them and like goes past them. Mm-hmm. And he hates Punxsutawney. He hates going there. It's a it's a hick town. Um, he <laughs> he even makes this awful offhand remark about the the lady who runs the bed and breakfast he stays at about not knowing how to spell cappuccino. And I was like, this, yeah, this is mean. To be fair, and... I'm not looking at it. I don't think I can. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's sweet. Um, and there's also um, Andy McDowell's character who right, is Andy kind McDowell. of the foil to him. And Chris Elliott? Yes. Is I think his name? That he guy, is, yeah. uh, he plays Russell Borchert. Russell Borchert. In this uh, season five finale of Community. That is the only other role I know him from. <laughs> uh, I have to say. So the, they get sent to Punxsutawney. Phil gets sent to Punxsutawney with Rita, played by Andy McDowell, a new producer for the channel, and the cameraman. Larry. Um, Larry. Thank you, Justin. And uh, during the travel, we get the generic helicopter shots of Chicago to and indicating a travel scene. Um which I don't know why that was so popular. I mean, it, it does the job. It does the job, I guess. Um, I noted, uh, does Bill Murray exclusively play unlikable douchebags? Woof. Because it uh, seems like he does. Yeah, that was a big part of his uh, comedy career. <laughs> Just either that... unlikable douchebag or unlikable douchebag who becomes a likable douchebag. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and Ghostbusters, he's kind of somewhere in between unlikable and likable douchebag. Yeah, he at least has friends. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So they travel to Punxsutawney. As Caleb mentioned, uh, Phil is no fan of the town, so he wants none of going out to dinner with his co-workers and everything. He just wants to peace out to his bed and breakfast, um, which actually, when they first show up, he makes a big stink about not staying in a crappy hotel. Uh, it was actually a pretty nice hotel. Yeah, it looked In nice. one of the loops, he ends up having a drink in the bar, and he's like, I could get used to this place. Um, so, whatever. He's just being a diva. And uh, Rita informs him that he's staying in this nice bread... Uh, bread. Bed and breakfast. <laughs> uh, bread and breakfast. So he goes there, and he falls asleep for the first night. And this is where we get the first time his alarm goes off to Sonny and Cher's I Got I'll You, put babe. put hand in mine. <laughs> <laughs> right. The the loop hasn't technically started yet, or at least I don't think we're meant to understand that it's it has. The dawn of the first day. Right. This is just, this is day zero, as it were. Like, he's living the day as normal, but then the next day it resets. So on this day, we kind of get our first look at everything we're going to spend a lot of time covering for the rest of the movie. Um, so, like, what all happens? Uh, he comes he across... Goes down, he meets the guy on the stairs. Yeah. Uh, he predicts March 21st as the first day of spring. Um, right, which is a big joke. Yeah. He, so he's, he's being kind of a douche to that guy. And then he asks if the, the nice old lady, if they've got espressos or cappuccinos. 
and he's mean to her because uh she's like oh i don't uh we don't have uh so he just gets coffee then he what he runs into ned Yes. Ned Ryerson from high school on the, the street. Yeah, guy, he yes. sells life insurance. Who was also in Community. He was uh, the professor who taught the class about who was the boss. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> who's the boss? Yeah. Um, so this guy apparently they used to know each other. He tries to sell him some life insurance. Of course, Phil. I mean, Phil. Phil what is he going to do with Phil, life insurance? He yeah. doesn't have a family. Yeah. Like he doesn't have anybody that cares about him or that he cares about. He humors him. Phil humors him the first time because he's still in a world with consequences. <laughs> yes, important <laughs> note. <laughs> um, he steps in a puddle, getting away from Ned. That first which... step's a doozy. God. Um, and then for the first of a thousand times, we hear the Pennsylvania polka. Freaking song. As he right? arrives at Gobbler's Knob. <laughs> <laughs> That's. Which is the name, name of the place where they pull the groundhog out of his tree stump. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, and it, there's this whole to do about it. Um. The people party all night, and then they go warm up by the fire, and then they come out and dance some more. My goodness. How folksy. <laughs> and of course, um, Rita is, is so into it, because she's like, I don't know, she's all cutesy and optimistic, and uh, I don't know. She thinks it's so nice. I sound like an asshole. I sound like Phil right now. Uh. I don't she still has joy in her life, and none of the rest yeah. of us do. Fuck, no. <laughs> <laughs> we're all slowly text. becoming less assholeish versions of Phil. Uh, so they get there. Phil's again not having any of it. Uh, kind of phones it in on his report, um, mm. and then he leaves to do something. Phil finishes his broadcast, phoning it in. They attempt to drive back home to Chicago, but it turns out the blizzard has set in. The one that he predicted would not. Uh, He's got a funny bit with a police officer where he's like, you're going to have to go back to Punxsutawney. And Phil, he says something, and the police officer tells him, you can go back to Punxsutawney or you can freeze in the blizzard. And Phil just kind of stands there. He's like, I'm thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) He really does not want to go back. Um... And I don't know, there, it's, it almost feels like the blizzard has some kind of, like, magical symbolism, or, like, the, the, the day starts repeating when the blizzard comes, Mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't know if that's anything, but I did think it was kind of interesting that the whole, like, there's a storm coming, and then, like, all the crazy stuff starts (laughs) happening. Storm's brewing. Yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah, they have to go back. Uh, he takes a he tries cold to take a shower, shower but it's cold. Yeah. And he's like, "Is there any hot water?" And the lady's like, "Oh, not today, dear." <laughs> oh god! Oh, that's right. He has to take cold showers for the. Wait, does he doesn't he get to take a single warm shower? I mean, at a certain point, I'd probably stop showering. Well, think about it. If if the day resets and you're the same physically as you were before, then you wouldn't need to shower. Right. As long as he took a shower the day before, he's kosher. There you go. Yeah. Okay. All right. Hygiene's no not important. Kids. For however long. <laughs> uh, that's no, I think he takes one in the morning. It's not does. important. This is not important at all. I'm pretty sure he takes one when he gets up. It's the one in the afternoon that's cold because of the blizzard. I do want to say that they uh, they did a good job um, explaining why he doesn't try other methods of getting out, like a plane or something, because the blizzard has all like airlines and uh, phone lines uh, down. So he is 
literally stuck there. There's nothing he can do. Oof. He has to exist. And yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's rough. Um, which it, it kind of Palm Springs does something a little bit different with that, but uh, in this one, he is yeah, he is very much just stuck there and has to ride it out. Um, so so nothing else of consequence happens that day, right? It it only really kicks off. No, yeah, it's the once the day. loop starts happening. Mm-hmm. He wakes yeah. up the next morning and it's the same song playing. He's like uh, he makes one of the radio DJs like, oh, you're playing yesterday's tape, guys. But then he starts to realize like he he almost decks the guy that he meets on the stairs mm-hmm. who he thinks is screwing with him because they're having the same interaction that they had the day before. Um, I, he, re- yeah. <laughs> he repeats his thing. He's not mean about the coffee to the old lady this time, but this time when she asks him uh, if he's going to be staying another night, he's like, chance of leaving tonight, about 80%. <laughs> maybe yeah. 70 Yeah, I love <laughs> He's kind of starting to lose his confidence, but he's kind of like... <laughs> Hoping. Right, because the first night he said 100%, which we didn't say, but that's right. 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 And so he, yeah, this is the day where he's kind of noticing all the creepy similarities. Right, he kind of feels like everyone is screwing with him. Yeah. He feels really paranoid. Right. To be fair, I would probably feel the same. Um, He, let's see. He tries to get away from Ned. He steps in the same hole because he's distracted. Uh, He tries to talk to Rita, and he's really distraught. Yeah, and she's she doesn't really understand what's going on. He's like, "This all I've already done this." Like, and he doesn't really explain it beyond that. He just kind of says, "Like, uh, I, I've already said this speech." Um, I don't remember what all happens with her on that first day. I don't think that one's really important because I think it's the second one where he just d- ditches it. Yeah, yeah, where he starts freaking out a little bit. Yeah, and she has to cover. Um, that day, I think he just kind of goes through normally. No, it's either the second. I don't remember if it's the second or the third night, but my next note is he goes to being reckless very quickly. Yeah, he does. Because oh, it's with the drunk only guys. when yeah when he gets dr- or when he goes bowling with the guys and he drives on the train tracks and yep. gets them arrested and almost killed and run over by the train. I know. That's only like the second or third night. I think it's the third. The second, uh, he's he does the broadcast and he's that's where he delivers the broadcast. It's like very hopeless. Um, and then I think. I really don't remember. He goes to bed, but yeah, that third. He tries to take a shower again, and it's cold. And I'm like, man, why would same mistake? What are you doing? Why would you even? Uh, But so yeah, by the time it gets to the third day, he knows that he's kind of screwed. And that's when the thing that Caleb was talking about happens because he's like talking to these guys at a bar, and this is, I guess, the first time we show him having any real camaraderie with any other people. And even then, he's still kind of making it all about himself. Uh, he he talks to them. Those guys are both really drunk. Like, there's gags about that. Um, they can't drive, is the point. And so he has to drive them, which, to his credit, he, he does. Um, so it's an early sign of maybe he's starting to become a better person, to look out for other people. But Until he decides <laughs> yeah. that he's going to like run a red light, cut off a cop, get chased yes. by the cop, turn onto the train tracks, play chicken with a train. Um, yeah, that cop was still on the... the how did, there was no way that cop could have pulled off of the tracks. That cop is dead. Uh, he looped out. It's fine. He's all right. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he crashes into a bunch of garbage cans. Yeah. The officer pulls up and he's like, don't worry, guys, I got this. He's like, uh, yeah, three cheeseburgers, uh, two large fries. <laughs> yeah, he really turns on the white privilege for this part. And then uh, he goes to jail and then he wakes up and it's the next day again. 
Uh, both of these movies have parts where people are starting to lose it because of being stuck in the loop and are sassy to cops as a result. <laughs> so I guess that shows that when people have nothing else to lose, they... will be a dick to a cop. Yeah. <laughs> they said, fuck the police. Um, so this is where we start getting into the, uh, the guts of it, I guess. Phil heads to the diner. He has a conversation with Rita. I think... This might even be before the drunk driving incident, but this is like the last important thing before he starts diving into living life in the time loop. Yeah. Yes. Um, he has ordered everything on the menu, and Rita is just disgusted by him and calls him a slob and quotes French poetry at him. <laughs> she... like, I, I, who does that? I don't know. Well, he does act like an ass, but it's not so extreme as it has been in other parts, if I remember right, correctly. Right, this is not... The things he is saying to her in this scene are not the worst things he has yeah, said to people in front of really her. Yeah, because he really douchey stuff. But, but in this one, he's just kind of being like, whatever, I don't care, I'm gonna eat whatever I want. And she was like, well, Walter Scott said that. <laughs> <laughs> is it... Is that scene after he blows off the... Uh, the report she has to come yes. for him, and then he meet, she meets up with him later. Okay, so that's she's t- already t- pissed off. Yeah, to that. be fair, that's okay. Fair enough. He has not endeared himself. <laughs> um, then after this scene, it's that's when he goes to the drunk driving stuff that yes. night, and he starts living life in the loop. This is this. We reach the no consequences phase. The person <laughs> yeah, realizing they realize they can do whatever they want, so they do. Also, using his powers to learn everything about that woman to have a one-night stand with her was very TV. <laughs> yeah, okay, that, that part. I have a note about that one-night stand. <laughs> so, the woman, she asks him, this isn't a one-night stand, is it? And he literally, like, proposes to her. I'm like, I, it's so bad for... She met him that morning. Is it... What else is this? Like, I, we're supposed to believe that one, like, I know, okay, oh, I know. men can have one night stands. It's funny if Bill Murray does it, but women can't do it. They have to get married. It, that's the thing. Even in the early 90s, when maybe I would be considered slutty for having a one night stand or something, I would be way more upset if a guy proposed to me uh, the first day he met me than I would be about people thinking that I had a one night stand. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. the fact that she would be she would react more positively to him proposing the first day than to him trying to have a one night stand with her. It's like maybe neither of those are great, but one is a lot weirder than the other. Yeah, and she was all about it. It was so weird. I know. She was so into it. She <laughs> yeah. wasn't even like, oh <laughs> that's funny. She was like, oh yeah. And I was like, And then no, he no, says no, the no, wrong no, name no. again and she doesn't even it's react. Just, it's it's it's, it's I yeah, I feel like this this kind of this particular brand of sexism was definitely a thing at the time. Um and I I don't really know when it started getting phased out, but we're all very glad that it did cuz it's super weird. Um <laughs> but yeah, and and the, oh right, and then the next time he sees her there is so Is it when he's dressed up like the cowboy? Yeah. He's and... going to go to a movie oh, with yeah. another girl and he's dressed up like a cowboy and she's wearing a french maid outfit for some reason and the the lady that he had a one night stand with passes him on the street. And he says something creepy to her. Uh, he just says, like, he says, like, hi, whatever her name was. And, like, I'm like, why would you do that? You were just going to freak her out. Like, And then he plays it off like he's still in a character. He's, like, brushed off by my own fiancé or something oh my like God. that. Yeah, and it's supposed to be hilarious. But, of course, he's, this is the problem. It's, like, he does stuff like this that's douchey. But you can't, at this point, tell if the movie wants you to think it's douchey. Right. <laughs> 
as opposed to just Bill Murray. Being right. Funny. Whenever whenever Bill Murray is douchey in a movie, it's often hard to tell if we're supposed to like side yeah, with him or exactly. hate him. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's fun. But so yeah, so he's clearly thinking about uh, Rita, um, and that's kind of his. You know, his, I don't want to say goal in this story because that makes it sound a little creepy but he clearly wants to get to know her better and at his lower points really wants to get her to sleep (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's it's so this movie is about personal growth right Uh, he's effectively in a form of purgatory learning to be a better version of himself a better person and learning to be selfless Mm -hmm. so at first he is just learning about rita to try and get her to sleep with him in one day and then he he has to transition to the point of wanting to know people for the sake of knowing knowing them. Yes, and and, and not having information to use as like ammo against. Because there get is them to that whole portion of the movie in like Act something two something. Ish. Yeah, Act two ish. There's a, more than one act to this movie. Well, of course, there's more than one. Why did I say that? There is several acts to this movie, which I will get into later because I vaguely charted out the structure of it. But there is a whole portion of the movie where literally all he's doing is trying to, uh, I mean, to put it charitably, he's trying to learn more about her um, so that he can connect with her. To put it uncharitably, he's trying to manipulate her into yeah. sleeping with him. Um. Uh, which goes very, very well until the end of the night each time. He just gets slapped over and over and over, and it eventually comes to a head when... Uh, things go very well. I don't remember exactly what he says, but uh, in the opposite of what happened with his one night stand, Rita's like, "You don't even know me." Like, yeah. There's, there's no way we've known each other for such a short amount of time. Like, and then she he, actually you know, gets creeped out. And then he starts listing off things he knows about her, <laughs> which is not the move, my guy. No. Creepy. So she, uh, but, yes. she rejects him. Real hard this last time, which sends him spiraling into a sea of depression. And we watch a wonderful montage of Bill Murray suicide montage, Uh, which I'm glad we didn't have in Palm Springs. It's a throwaway line. Yeah, I tried to kill myself a bunch of different ways. (laughs) They they do kill themselves a couple times, or she kills herself a couple times, right? Usually for to get out of a situation or something. Yes. Oh, they do kill themselves in the plane the one time, but it was yes. by accident. Yeah. Right, it's it's like only... in secondhand lions. Right, so he has a whole sequence of killing himself because he's depressed. Andy Samberg goes through that off camera, and she tries to kill herself one time to see if that'll get her out of the loop. And then the rest of it, it's all um, as a uh, it's a tool. It's a yes. get out of jail free card. Right. It's a, yeah, reset card, which is a little funny just the concept of killing yourself just because you want the day to be over um <laughs> it's very video gamey yeah yeah it is a little bit <laughs> but um so anyway so yeah there's the suicide montage which is fun which culminates with him stealing the groundhog and, <laughs> and committing a murder suicide yeah, in Thelma a and louise style flying the car off the cliff uh, um <laughs> Right, and I kind of hate that he killed the groundhog. That groundhog didn't deserve it, but maybe he was. It's okay, seeing he was the fine gro- the next day. Yeah, he was seeing the groundhog as like <laughs> the source of all his. Yeah, it was like tormenting the, him. Like the um, scene in the KFC space simulator and community when he like sees Sanders, he's like, "I'll kill you, Sanders." <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Hyper fixating on the, exactly. the entity. That's his tormentor. That's the thing the he tormentor, has to destroy. Right. Yes. right. Um, I'm going to have to start editing in a ping every time there's a community reference. Every time I make a community <laughs> reference, because it's usually me. Yeah. We have a lot of things that are usually you. Um, <laughs> okay. We're cutting that out. Which I won't name here. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Hold let's on. see if we can cut back in. All right. So after the hold on, I'm not going to start with the so. Yeah. <laughs> after the suicide montage, um, he tries to reach out to Rita again, and this is where we get the "I'm a god" scene in the diner, um, and he predicts everything and what really sends it home is when Larry walks in at the end of him uh, telling her about all the people in the diner is that he writes down exactly what Larry's about to say when he walks up. Right. Um, so that's what made her believe him and they uh, she chooses to spend the rest of the day with him. Yeah, this is a nice little turning point here. Yeah. she. It's it's a different type of interaction. He's not trying to get her to sleep with him. She he's she is willingly spending the day with him just to see what's going on, and he is just letting it happen. He, he's going with the flow this time, mm-hmm. with without an end goal. He's just happy to have happy that she is trying to be around. Right. Yeah, it's the first time he legitimately reached out without a ulterior an motive. ulterior motive. Yeah. Um. But then, what happens after that? Is that when he starts trying to do good deeds, or is it? Well, first That's... he uh. Uh, first, he starts doing everything to like learn how to play piano and ice sculpture and speak French. Everything that she said her ideal man, uh. quote unquote, would have. So he does all that first. Yeah. She had a lot of requirements for her ideal man. <laughs> 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 I mean, the first few, you were like, yeah, yeah, sensitive, kind, smart, or whatever. But then she started getting really specific. <laughs> I had a question about how the time loop works. Mm. This is minutia. This is this is Facebook forum arguing would Superman or Batman win in a fight <laughs> level of nothing. All right, hit us. So he learns the piano. A large portion of the piano is muscle memory. Mm-hmm. Physically, or the only thing that changes is mentally. He can remember stuff, but nothing changes physically. So he would mentally know how to play the piano but he wouldn't have any of the muscle memory. So I'm a little doubtful as to how well learning an instrument would work in a time loop. Like learning to play the guitar, one of the biggest hurdles is getting your finger to do the shapes of chords, right? It's it's so hard, and then one day it just clicks for your fingers, and... I, I would propose, my theory would be that while muscle memory is a thing, it's still triggered by the synapses in your brain. It's still, uh, in a way, it's, it's, I don't know if I would call it a mental thing, but it is still your brain doing it. And his brain can change. His, his mind can change. His body can't physically change. Like, I don't know, the cells can't change. But I would argue, now I don't know how well this would hold up, like, actually scientifically, but within the universe... Um, it could be that 
because his brain still retains all the information he learned, it could still be sending those signals to his hands. You know what I mean? That's as good see what I meant by ba- as I would have given. <laughs> yeah, see what I meant by could Batman or Superman win in a fight? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right, it doesn't mean... Well, I mean, to be fair, it, it's fair to speculate on the nuances of these... Uh, of how these time loops work b- because just by setting themselves up as the... Uh, you know, the premise, like, this thing is happening and they the protagonists end up like testing the limits of these. So I think it's fair to ask what are the technicalities because the protagonists have to test the technicalities themselves and, and they do end up doing that many times. And the way those technicalities work are, are different in, in these two in these two movies. But I think it, w- it would be possible to retain physical ability to do something if if there was any measure of thought involved in it. Okay, I'm satisfied. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, so he learns how. Yeah. <laughs> he learns how to play the piano. We have the depressing sequence where he tries to help the old homeless man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Is it possible that he was seeing himself in, in that man too? Because you know he didn't really have anybody. He was all alone, and Maybe. not to say that the man was a terrible I... person, but I think. That maybe that was meant to reflect the version of himself that could end up happening if he didn't improve. Hmm. Or maybe yeah. he would see it that way. I don't know. It's entirely plausible. I didn't personally get that reading, but it makes a lot of sense. Of course, the the most important part is just that it's him helping another person. Right. And uh, the worst part of it is that no matter what he does, the old man dies that day. Yeah. And that really messes with Phil because he can't die Nobody, nobody dies in this world. It's right, and yeah, the fact he can't stop it, he can't change anything to keep this from happening. Right, death continues to be real for the people around him, even though it's not real for him. Yeah. Yes, and that's a weird thing to experience. <laughs> Functionally immortal, but you still have to contend with death as a as a fact of life. Um, Oof. <laughs> but and I think. Um, well, that's something that also kind of ties in with Palm Springs, which we'll discuss in a bit, is that he says, like, you know, pain still matters. What we do to other people still matters. So it's like... Because we have to live with the exactly. memory and the consequences of what we do to others. Right, exactly. So so helping the man still is the right thing to do, even if he always dies, because he can still make his existence slightly better before he dies like yeah, it's that last not day of his nothing. life is, is that much better because of him so yeah exactly and there's so there's still meaning in that even if even if he can't change everything he can change the small things mm-hmm. and that's i guess the whole point of the movie is that he can't he change a lot of small things right he can't change the big picture of what he's stuck in but he can change the small the small parts of it which is a good segue into him um starting to help other people around the town uh, saving that kid from the tree uh helping <laughs> right. that uh, car full of old ladies uh and this he eventually is... gets called the fastest jack in jackson county and i was like i do know what you did <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're now in the last the final day which we don't know it is until the next day okay. um so we don't 
you can infer that he's he knows about all of these other goings on. He knows when the mayor is going to the mayor played by his older brother um <laughs> who is going to choke in a restaurant. He knows when that kid is going to fall out of the street. He knows when the old ladies need a tire change. So we can assume that he he is aware of everything that happens in the town at this point. Yes. And um when he needs to be aware and he's actively trying to he's like superman right he's trying to get to every single one of these situations that he can to prevent all of these terrible things from happening and it's it's a totally selfless day like he gives this beautiful speech that like every other reporter stops what they're doing and he is the only person talking at the groundhog unveiling um he, he makes Larry cry. <laughs> he saves the kid. He saves the mayor. He helps the old ladies. Um, and he... Rita... Does Rita not see him until... So Rita's been going around and she finds out that like, everyone in town knows him. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, she's looking for him and she doesn't meet up with him until they're at the uh, the ending festival dance thing. Right. Can't remember what they call it. The Groundhog Day Dance. <laughs> Surprised that never came up in community. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dean comes in dressed as a sexy groundhog. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> yeah, reference community again. Um, but yeah, no, that's true. I think she does first see him here, um, and he's got things to do, man. Yeah. So she she sees him playing the piano. Right, that's what gets her so interested because he's up there playing the piano for some reason. Uh, just thinking of Spider-Man 3 with him <laughs> randomly this. getting up there and playing the piano <laughs> on the stage to try to impress a girl. Um, and that's kind of what he's doing here. <laughs> and there's a man auction and oh, yeah, Rita is like, why is every single person in town in love with this man that I barely know and probably don't really like? Yeah. Um, so she's so curious. She bids $388.82 or something like that. I don't remember the exact number. 32 cents. Uh, Is that? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so she's like, I'm going to buy this man for myself. (laughs) Poor Larry can't even get his own date to bid on him. I know, that was so sad. An old lady buys him for two bits, which is apparently equivalent to 25 cents. Yeah, I didn't know that either. What the hell is a bit? I don't know. (laughs) 12.5 cents. Enough to get you a shave. (laughs) <laughs> and if you put another one, it's a haircut. <laughs> I, what? I hate you. Is that a so reference? Shave and a haircut, two bits. What? Is that a song? You don't know. That's how I knock on doors. You know the. I know the little rhythm. Yeah. I, shave and a haircut, two bits. There are words? Yeah. Where does that come from? <laughs> <laughs> we're having one of those magical moments where we find out that Stephanie is totally unaware I- of a <laughs> pop culture thing. What's interesting well, is-, is because it's like it's like something we're aware of that she's not, and I don't know how to explain it to her. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. like, why are there words? How do you explain shaving a haircut two bits to a person who doesn't know what it is? <laughs> It's no, gibberish. I, no, I get it. It goes it goes with the music, but like why? I, I don't know. <laughs> Google it. I'm so I don't... mystified by this. Justin's looking it up. <laughs> oh my god. We're really doing this. 
I hate to disappoint our audience, but uh, I googled it and started reading the first few sentences of the description, and I was like, nope. So, Google it yourself. <laughs> what? Do it yourselves, you lazy bastards. Oh also, God. thank you for listening, and we love you. Okay, so now that we got that now important that piece that. of culture. Um, so, she bids on him. Uh, they go talk in the snow. He makes her an ice sculpture. Um, so sexy when a guy makes you an ice sculpture. I guess. I don't Stephanie know. was not blown away by this. No, I, not super. I've, you know, I've never seen an ice sculpture. I don't think so. Not that I can think of. Well, I live in Florida. That's probably part of why. I have been to the Sapporo Snow Festival in Japan. That sounds cool. I have seen giant Pikachu sculptures, and they make like 40 foot tall slides that you go down. Just entirely out of snow and ice. That sounds but cold on your ass. It, that's what, You're dressed for snow. It doesn't matter. You've nah, got snow pants on. Butt naked. <laughs> uh, I've never seen snow. So. What? Oh, buddy. I live in Florida. <laughs> I know, but I thought yeah, maybe but, it's I mean, a point. So do I. Well, we lived in Tennessee for a little while, which is where we saw snow. But Yep, I've never seen real snow. Not a single time in my entire life. Well, that's depressing. I 30. <laughs> snow is beautiful. It's just really annoying. Uh, like me Um, just kidding Uh, it's it's very pretty but it's also wet and slippy it's the opposite of sand (laughs) (laughs) you stole it from me Justin go ahead (sighs) yeah it is the opposite of sand which is warm except it actually is kind of coarse and rough and irritating and gets everywhere (laughs) I've gotten a snow burn before it's not fun you ever fallen off well okay if any of our listeners have ever fallen off of a sled going down a very oh steep God. hill at, at way too fast miles an hour, uh, face first, it, it's not fun. No, that sounds you unpleasant. Get, no, you get a, a like a friction burn on your face. Oof. Um, anyway, so yeah, now that we've talked uh, about snow. Justin, what happens after the here. snow sculpture? Yeah, we're almost done. Bringing us home. Uh, so basically, they, they continue chit-chatting. They go back to his room. Um... He has this moment where he tells her uh, that he loves her and blah, 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 mushy. Even if I have to do this forever, at least I get to do it with you. That kind of deal. She doesn't hear him say that. She's asleep, uh, which right. is why it's not creepy <laughs> for her. But he he is, this is his moment of confessing it and actually having audible human emotions, um, <laughs> which is great. Um and it's also, it's kind of a product of this very unfortunate aspect of getting to know someone during a time loop, uh, when that person isn't stuck in the same time loop, is that it, it's really, it must be really rough to fall in love with someone when they, who has the potential to fall in love with you, but who is never going to be able to, because they're only ever going to know you for one day. But meanwhile, yeah. you have known them for so long. Like, that is terrible. And like, at least really a sucks. decade at this point. Oh, yeah. It's, I, we don't ever know exactly how long it is. Yeah, it's but... not clear how long it is in the movie, but uh, someone who worked on, I don't remember who, maybe it was a guy who co-wrote the script with Harold Ramis, claimed it was, like, over a thousand years. I didn't yeah. get the sense that it was that much. Me neither. Harold Ramis himself says on 
DVD commentary, I think, that it was uh, at least 10, like somewhere in that range. So. That I would buy, like, yeah. a, like a decade or maybe two, but I would not buy a thousand years. <laughs> he, he doesn't speak like an elder god who has seen too much of the world. Like, <laughs> uh, he still sounds like a guy, just one who's uh, really tired. Um, but yeah, so this is a really nice moment. Where it, I, it's basically like, and he's no longer trying to to well, he he's trying to sleep with her, but in the literal sense, he he's not trying to have sex with her. He's not trying to manipulate her. He's just he just wants to be with her, and um, so that yeah, there's that really nice moment where he basically confesses his feelings, and that's kind of the the cherry on top of the development we've seen from him in this day. Like he's learned all this stuff about selflessness, and now he's. Uh, you know, he he's having this really interpersonal moment of selflessness where he's like, there was a time that I just wanted to, I just wanted to bang you, <laughs> but now I'm actually just content to lie here with you because I, I love your presence that much. Um, so it's a really nice way to end that arc, um, and and it does end because the next day when he wakes up, there's that misdirect with the song. The song starts in a slightly different position. Mm-hmm. Right. So at first you're like, oh, it's that song again. But then you realize it, it's not the same part that it was before. Um, I love so the moment when uh, when he like feels her arm and like pinches her and that's what wakes her up. He's like, you're still here. And she has that really sweet line. She's like, uh, you asked me to stay, so I stayed. And I was like, that is so cute. I know. It's precious. I can't even make a collie stay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right, and it's it's really nice because it's like so much growth from him, and then not so much growth from her because she's still the same person as she was before, but growth in her perception of him, like yeah. go went from justifiably thinking he was just a total douchebag who was up his own ass to like um, having so much appreciation for him as a person that she that she just wanted to be with him like he wanted to be with her. Um, and then so he's finally free of the loop. Um, he decides they're going to move to Punxsutawney. Yeah, which I don't understand at all. <laughs> You'd think the first thing you would want to do is get is out of there. Get the hell out of there. But what do I know? To love it. So. Right. <laughs> but at least travel a little bit first, you know? God, I know. <laughs> like, I had, like, it's sweet and I like it. I wouldn't have made that choice, but it's cute. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's like, this is. The only place I know now, there's I can't exist in the outside world, which is once again something that is kind of addressed in Palm Springs. But yeah, so it, it pretty much ends there without much further to do. Um, do we have any final thoughts on the movie? Anything you wanted to say but didn't cover? Uh, well, okay. So basically, the act structure that I put down with help from Caleb. What was basically the the phases we go through are the 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 setting up phase before the repetition starts. Uh, next one is adjusting to the repetition. Third is capitalizing on the repetition. <laughs> so basically, uh, starting to use it for your own gain. Uh, and then once uh, Rita rejects him and he realizes it's he can't make it happen that way, we get into the fourth stage, which is life is meaningless, which is where. All the suicides happen. Um, and then things start to turn back around in the fifth stage, which is 
genuine human connection and good deeds. Uh, so basically actually trying to form relationships with people, get to know them and help them. And then finally, once that reaches its culmination with him becoming the best version of himself that he can be and forming a genuine connection with Rita, then it moves on to the final stage, which is the shortest one, understandably, because the whole story has happened at that point. And that's the freedom, freedom to live, as Campbell would put it, I guess, the, um, the final stage of the hero's journey, which is having learned the... Having learned the lesson, having brought the elixir to the community, um, you then have the freedom to live. This is pretty straightforward, Campbell, isn't it? <laughs> it is. A, it, is a, it is a little bit... There's not really a call to adventure, but there is a call to being like a better person, for sure. Um, he even gathers allies because he... Uh, <laughs> which yeah. is a, a Cabellian stage. <laughs> <laughs> he gets to know people. But yes, so he has the freedom to live as a better person with the connections that he has made. Um, because I guess we're meant to understand that the final day in the loop was the true day. Um, and so that one's the one that actually happened. So when he wakes up the next day, everyone will know him as that good person. Because that's the truest version of himself. Nice. Very well studied and put together, guys. You get an A. <laughs> it's no. almost like she went to a real college. Uh-oh. <laughs> Whatever. So, yeah. So, Groundhog Day. That's um, all I've got for Groundhog Day. Yeah, we will be back after the break with Palm Springs. Hi, everyone. Justin here. Thank you so much for checking out our show. You may notice some audio issues during these early episodes as we're recording them in separate locations during quarantine. It is our intention to record in person once it's safe, but for now, we work with what we have. Please follow the recommended guidelines, wear your masks, stay safe, and enjoy the rest of the episode. Welcome back to Sounds Familiar, the podcast where we daydream about being stuck in a time loop with Kristen Malati. <laughs> Is that how you pronounce it? I'm assuming. Kristen Miliati. I'm sorry, I didn't see the second eye. Kristen, please forgive me. <laughs> She is beautiful, and this movie, like, really dwells on her face in, like, a great way. Oh, and yes. The, <laughs> both of our leads are quite attractive in this movie. I know, and very very much my type, I have to say. Um, <laughs> I like it for reasons other than that, but the leads <laughs> are very hurt. attractive. Yeah, exactly. yeah, it doesn't hurt that they're both very easy on the eyes. Yes, and they have great chemistry, honestly, I think is part of what sells it, like... I mean, it's a good movie regardless, but they, they really play well off of each other. Yeah. It feels very natural, I guess. Um, yeah, I really liked this movie. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I saw Me the too. trailer when I opened up Hulu a couple months ago. I was like, I need to check that out. And then I did, and I liked it. And that was that. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I don't know, would you call it a rom-com? I, that's the closest thing I could give to it it's more of a romantic comedy than anything else right exactly the trailer sold it a little bit more based on the trailer i thought the point of roy hunting him was going to be a much more strong through line in the yeah. movie it sold it almost as more of like a bit more of a thriller oh really um, yeah it's uh, it still no, had romantic comedy the trailer, but the, the trailer I... leaned more towards thriller in my mind from what no, I remember. No, the, 
what this ended up being was absolutely uh, not what I was expecting. Uh, right. In a good way. In a, yeah. In a really good way. It, it, I liked the movie that it is, and I'm not disappointed that it wasn't what I expected based yeah. on the that. Um, that would have been a different movie. That would have been like a Looper or something. I don't know. I haven't seen Looper. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny if it was more like Looper, but... Um... Yeah, it, yeah. Romantic comedy is definitely the first thing I can think of, especially since it follows the whole boy meets girl, boy loses girl, yeah, boy gets girl back again kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like it's definitely a comedy, but it it didn't feel like the point of it was to be funny. If that makes sense, right? If this was your standard American comedy, I would have liked this movie a lot less. Yeah, I yeah. most comedies. Most comedies in general, but especially most comedies that have come out in the last ten years or so, not a, a huge fan. They they follow some pretty similar tropes that I just don't care for. Right. If this was a Judd Apatow movie, I would have been like, eh. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that brings us right into the film. The opening scene. Uh, I was a little worried about that. The scene where. What was the opening scene? Uh, he wakes up, tries to have sex with his girlfriend, it doesn't go right, then it's just him uh It's a little cringe comedy for yeah. sure. I was like, okay, so this is this is the ride that we're on and then luckily it that changes pretty fast. Right. So the main difference between one of the main differences between this movie and Groundhog Day is that this one starts in the middle of the story. Um it for one for Niles it does. for Niles yes. Niles has already been stuck in this loop for who knows how long, and so in my opinion, that makes this a much better movie to rewatch. Yes, because you notice you, you don't know Niles is in a time loop for I don't know how long. Uh, the first couple scenes maybe, um, and not until Roy shows up and ruins his night with with Sarah. Right. Um, and so it has more rewatchability because y- you have new information at the beginning as opposed to Groundhog Day mm-hmm. where since you start before the loop, it's you don't gain anything from a rewatch. Right. Um, it, yes, uh, th- that is one thing that I think is one of the main differences between these two movies on just like a surface level is that um, in Groundhog Day, it's just Phil who's going through the time loop. And so he's having to experience that all on his own. And we vicariously experience that through him uh, yeah. from start to finish pretty linearly. Uh, whereas with Palm Springs, it's it starts in the middle of Niles being stuck in the loop. But at the beginning of Sarah being stuck in it, which is cool because we get a multi-layered experience uh, vicariously through the characters. Um we experience it in real time with Sarah um, from beginning to end. What Stephanie was saying kind of leads us back into the story because we're, we jumped ahead a little bit. Um, we see Niles going through the day at this wedding. This is our first experience with this wedding. Uh, he chills in the, the, the pool. He has a beer. Uh, he makes a speech. Uh, everyone thinks he's making a fool of himself. Um, he starts to hit on the maid of honor the older sister and who's sarah right who is who is sarah our other protagonist um 
there's this great scene where like she's like sipping on a giant glass of wine and she's watching him he's making his way to her across the dance floor and he is perfectly moving in between all of the pe- the drunk people dancing because he's already like done taking so sips of people drinks when they're looking the other way stealing yeah. drinks out of someone's hand and giving it back to them when he passes them again mm-hmm. perfectly mimicking someone dancing like a fool yep putting a chair behind someone who's who's about to fall over because they're drunk right um, yeah, and so she's kind of like, huh? But yeah. she doesn't really notice anything too wacky at this point. Right. No normal person would assume this guy is obviously stuck in a time loop and yeah. has been living to stay over and over again for a thousand years. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> She'd just be kind of like, hmm. So he starts to talk to her because he, he saved her from having to make her, her uh, maid of honor speech. Mm. Yes. Um, she was not ready for that. Right. Uh, she knows that he is Misty's boyfriend. Yeah, and that's how he identifies himself. He, he tr- yeah, people. he tries to to ask her. He's like, "You want to go somewhere?" She's like, "Aren't you Misty's boyfriend?" He's like, "I don't think she'll mind." And we find that Misty is banging the best man in there in the bathroom of. Uh, Wait, was he the room. best man? I I thought he was the officiant. Trevor, I assumed he was both. I don't know why. Uh, well, Who was the anyway, best it doesn't matter. The Trevor's guy the in the, the guy in the wacky suit, the Australian yeah. guy who has drugs, apparently, as we find out later. Um. Well, he's having a meal. (laughs) 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 Yeah, screw wedding cake. Um, Uh, They're sitting under the window while this is happening. Yeah, they're just casually sitting there, like, laughing about it. And And Sarah Niles end up in... Not not even the woods. I wish I could say they're in the woods. I do not understand why they do this. Like, the... They obviously they get horned up because they're right. like, oh, they couldn't go back to Niall's room up. because Misty is well, there so, with Trevor. But why couldn't they go back to Sarah's room? Right, that's true. So why couldn't a, they go a couple to Sarah's of things. room? That that is true. Uh, there's a couple of things that happen uh, at the window scene, uh, and the first one is he's talking to Sarah about like uh, why she's so nervous around her family. She's like, uh, because I think I fuck around. Uh, all the time and drink too much and he's like why is that she says because i fuck around all the time and i drink too much i was like girl same Sam. <laughs> uh, but they get all they get all horned up uh which i thought it was hilarious because sarah's like this is so fucked up but it's kind of hot right uh, i've been there many times too <laughs> be like that's my fetish um so for some reason they go to hook up in the desert on a pile of rocks. I know that there was no better place they could next whatever. to the evil cave. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. He knows that cave is there. Why did he take her there? Yep. This is honestly, mm-hmm. this is my biggest gripe with the movie as far as technicalities go. And I usually don't get hung up on those, so I'm not going to get hung up on this one. But it still bothers me every time. I'm like, why would he? He knows that is there. Why would he take her there? Like he knows something bad could happen because it's already happened with Roy. Like, whatever. So, this happens. So They don't so, get very far. So, he stands up to take his pants off because she is drunk and can't can't get the button. Or the butt loop or she whatever. She also struggles with. Right. <laughs> when he gets shot in the shoulder with an arrow. <laughs> and he's like, oh, he's like I, th- I thought I smelled you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and she's freaking the fuck out because she has no frame screaming. of reference for this. She's screaming bloody murder and Niles is just kind of like mildly annoyed. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He runs away and he gets an arrow on the calf, which, oof. Ugh. 
Ouchie. Um, yeah, that's going to impede your running. Oh, that's because it does. He hides behind a rock. And... Actually, oh, hold on. Sorry, I just had a realization. I'm going to skip ahead in your explanation a little bit here. Yeah. He doesn't have to go into the cave to reset. He chooses to crawl in there. Okay. So. But oh, I don't understand. What is your question? What are you contending? Uh, because he could have just, like. I guess he was in pain. He crawled in there to make it stop. I was like, because he could have just died without leading her into the cave. Right, but he also had two arrow wounds that he probably wanted to be done and with. Also, yeah, I guess I guess that makes more sense. He probably wouldn't have died very quickly from those wounds because no, they were shoulder and leg. Like, honestly, he yeah. might not even have died at all. Yeah, he might not have that's even true. bled out. Um, that's fair. That's fair. I was just like, for a second, I was like, <laughs> hmm. That's true. And... Once again, it does kind of come down to, like, why would he go towards the cave with her being there? And it makes sense in this case, but once again, it doesn't make sense as far as bringing her to that area at all. Like, so I, I don't know. So, he he takes a couple arrows. There's a guy in full, like, night hunting gear um, after him. He calls him a shitbird. Uh, <laughs> then the guy Such walks... Such a J.K. Simmons line. Yeah. <laughs> then the guy runs into a glowing red cave, which Niles follows him into. Um, Sarah follows Niles, obviously, because he's being hunted. And um, your two options there are either run away or follow after the person because you care about them and want to make sure they're all right. And Niles tells her not to follow him into the cave. And what does she do? What could she do? What would you do if someone... If you were chasing someone who just got shot, and no, they were crawling in. into a glowing red cave, and they told you not to follow them, I'd probably follow them. I would follow them. I would. I would. Ah, uh, 100%. He should have said something like, this cave's about to blow, or <laughs> if you come in here, you, you will, will die. Like, you will transport straight to the ninth circle of hell, or something. Like, he should have scared her out of going into that cave, if he really meant it. And I'm... To be fair, the guy was just shot with two arrows. He, he it is crawling on his belly. He's probably not thinking super super straight. But I definitely would have done what she did. I, I would have been like, uh, "Screw you! I'm coming in there." Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's another community yeah, reference. So chalk that one up. <laughs> that's also the same episode I referenced earlier. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> wow, we're really on it today. I'm just kidding. No, it's not. That's from the paintball. Oh, episode. is that man? I don't even. Anyways, so. Yeah, it's totally understandable that she goes in there. This is the first indication of her really caring about him. I mean, though, to be fair, you probably would do that with anyone. You'd be like, uh, you just got shot. I'm going to come make sure you're not dying. But she yeah. is like, and she does say later, she is like, I, I cared about you, so I followed you. Like, um, yeah. and so. <laughs> this is where she gets pulled into the time loop. Yeah. Uh, and she she goes to like beat the shit out of Niles. It's a it's she's throwing stuff at him while she's like, I'm not gonna hurt you. It feels very much like um Leslie like drowning Tom where she's like, I don't wanna see your face. Come here, I wanna talk to you. I don't wanna see your face <laughs> Right, yeah. And she yeah, she's like, I'm not gonna hurt you, but then, you know <laughs> she, Yeah, she gets in the water and like strangles him. It's like what what did you do to me? Right. This is after she's like she talks to her parents and she's like, Uh, is this real? All of this already happened and of course they think she's like on it again, like on yeah. drugs or mm. drunk or whatever. This is the worst day of the loop. Yeah, because her first well, okay, her first day also happens to be like her worst day, probably. Because everything goes out of control because, because she's not in control. So her sister, whose wedding it is chases her out to the pool deck for some reason why would her sister be that upset that she's like out in the pool 
I I don't know. Whatever. So her sister goes out there, slips, falls on her face, and Oof. breaks her teeth. Her three and front teeth. Oh, the I, worst teeth to possibly break. I have a thing. I can't handle teeth stuff. <laughs> so Mouth injuries. when Sarah vomits in the room... When they're all like freaking out, trying to find a dentist stuff, which I love when the dad is like, "This dentist glues teeth." <laughs> so triumphant, he just fixed it, and he's so proud. And then Sarah vomits in a trash can, which I totally get. If someone I knew <laughs> had just slipped on their face and broke three of their teeth, and I was in the same room and I had to look at them, I there's a chance I might vomit. Too. I don't think that's the only reason she vomits. No, it's not. She's fair, obviously but... overwhelmed because she's already yeah. lived this day, and now she's thinking she's potentially ruined it. Also, right. But I, I also would vomit in that situation. <laughs> yeah, so it's extremely chaotic and distressing. Like everyone's crying and screaming. Like the dad's trying to fix it by getting a dentist. Right. Um, but okay, the the second day okay. is when she actually gets to talk to Niles and like have a conversation about what's going on. Yeah. After Niles explains everything to Sarah, uh, they spend some time, and I think it's implied that they go through a couple of loops until Sarah is finally starting to lose it, and this is where we get the she tries to commit suicide thing. Right. He's, he's still like, explaining it everything work. to her. He, we're, and this we're... is where uh, he puts his head on the airbag and says he's bracing for a quick right. death because pain matters. So she very quickly... <laughs> Quicker than other time loop stories I've seen, she goes, like, straight to the suicide Yeah, she's attempt. like, I'm out of here. Um, this is... I got the feeling this was only, like, day three. Or this is still within the first yeah. week. Because he, he... They're having a conversation about it. He is explaining to her how the time loop works. Um, that he's already been in it. Suicide doesn't work. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. She's already driven back to Texas at this point. Right, because her, her second day was... She also tried to go in the cave... Which also didn't work, and he told her it wouldn't work. Right, which, okay, well, this is as good a time as any to establish the technicalities, how the time loop works. Um, it is different than Groundhog Day. In Groundhog Day, the loop resets at exactly 6 a.m. every day, so he can stay up until 5.59.59 of the following morning, but as soon as it hits 6 the following morning, it resets to 6 p.m. Of the, or 6 a.m. of the day before Yes. Um, of Groundhog Day. Uh, in Palm Springs, it resets when either you die, you fall asleep, or you walk into the cave. And my thing about that is I feel like that's needlessly complicated. Like, I preferred this movie in most ways to Groundhog Day, but this is the one thing where I feel like Groundhog Day does it better. Because, um, especially since, like, I was telling Caleb... <laughs> This movie goes out of its way to provide a pseudo-quantum physics explanation for this time loop. Like, it actually attempts to scientifically justify it. Um, Mm -hmm. And because it does that, it stretches credibility, I think, that there are so many different ways out of it. Or not out of it, but so many different ways to reset it. Like, you would expect it uh, to be just like a one-to-one... Like, it's like Groundhog Day, it always resets the same way every time. Right. Like, my my only complaint would be, is about the, the falling asleep mechanic. Because if you're, st- if they're trying to be pseudoscientific about it, and you're stuck in a time loop, Groundhog Day makes more sense, because you're stuck in an exact 24-hour period at the end of yeah. the 24 hours. The 24 hours resets to the beginning. Exactly. But if you're in a scientific 
like pseudoscientific loop it makes less sense to me that it just happens whenever you fall asleep it seems yeah, it's right. just lack of or loss of consciousness or entering the cave right, right. or a 24-hour loop i would have just too many ways to reset it See, i'm fine with well, death i'm fine with entering the cave it's, a 24 it's not a 24-hour loop no no i'm saying i would be okay with it if it was oh yeah yeah oh, okay as opposed to whenever you fall asleep no i actually i would much prefer the 24-hour loop that way it's like a set thing every time either uh like maybe the cave thing could be a thing too but even that, I'm kind of like, uh, I don't know. I don't really think that should be a thing because I think that overly complicates it like or needlessly complicates it. Mm. It would make more sense to me if it was just like, okay, it is the same day literally every 24 hours it resets. That's not I, really that I important. Agree. It doesn't affect my enjoyment of the movie. It's yes, just... we are, we are <laughs> yeah. once again entering what I'm going to start calling Batman v Superman territory. What, what do you mean? <laughs> Oh, but you can't call it Batman v Superman because they, people think we're talking to. about the movie. <laughs> no, Loyal listeners it, will learn. Call it who would win in a fight territory. Okay, I'm going to start calling it who would win in a fight territory. <laughs> or there you go. Cinema Sins territory. That's also true. <laughs> but That's so the yeah, same thing. that it's doesn't really affect the story. <laughs> it's just kind of if we're going to get into the time travel mechanic, that that's my gripe with it. But. All the same. Yeah. So she's tried all these different ways of getting out of it. Obviously, it doesn't work. Right. He he is teaching her about it. She tried the suicide method. Um, he has learned that there's nothing worse than dying a slow and painful death in the hospital. Um, so after her first suicide attempt, whether she drives into the semi, they go and get a burrito. And he, like, actually talks to her about it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, I've been in this for a long time. Um He's had sex with a lot of people, but he <laughs> lies to her about having had sex with her, which yeah, I am where the torn about. Um, okay. I think this movie is remarkably well written, yeah. especially when Absolutely. it comes to, I'll bring it up again when we get to the finale, but almost every time or every time the two main characters disagree about something, it is remark it, it is very easy to see and understand both sides right they're very, both you, very you never hate one of them over the other you totally get where they're both coming from every time yeah um which is good in a romantic comedy right um so he lies she asks if they've ever had sex before he says no mm. um <laughs> He he tells her everyone he's had sex with. He tra- he even tried to get with the bride, but he, like, he gave it his best shot. It was a big swing. Yeah, um, yeah. So he tried to cut in on the first dance. God. And I don't know if you noticed this detail, but he so he wears the same outfit the whole movie. He wears a Hawaiian yeah. shirt and yellow shorts. On the one time where you see him try to cut in on the first dance, he's wearing a tie on his Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> he really tried it. Yeah, um, so he's hooked up he with, he like, lies everyone. about having had sex with her father, and she believes it. <laughs> she totally yeah, there's goes a whole cutaway. Kind of <laughs> what so are funny. we doing? Yeah, and then he's like, oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so, but for some reason, I... I, I kind of understand it, because I was telling Stephanie yeah. the last time we watched it that if I had just been brought into a time loop, with someone that I did not know, that I literally met that day. Yeah. And they told me, if you told me that I had had sex with someone a bunch of times that I do not remember consenting to, 
I would potentially feel violated. Yeah, in all of those timelines, I may have consented to it at that moment or at that time or in that timeline, but I have no memory of that. So I can understand how that would make a person feel violated, but I don't yeah, think absolutely. that's why Niles didn't tell her. To be fair, she does remember consenting to it right the night the, that she got okay. stuck in it. The fact that she does the fact that she believes him here bothers me because the night that she got brought into the loop she was actively trying to have sex with him so it's not like she would right yeah it's not like it would be unbelievable the fact that he has had sex with so many people at this party and he's been in here who knows how long clearly it's been a long time and he was able to get her to almost sleep with him on the first night that she remembers meeting him. In the him. desert. Right. The, yeah. I, I don't buy it. I don't yeah, buy I it. Yeah, I would have been... It's suspect at best. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's what they call sus. Um, but she... Yeah, but, but he does lie about it for whatever reason. I guess he's... I don't know if it's ever explicitly said, but I guess he's afraid that it would, like, screw it up. Right. I mean, it would affect their current relationship. I totally yeah. think it would. I guess. I I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking from my own perspective, but I feel like I wouldn't be that freaked out about it, especially since I would remember already having consented to have sex with the person one time, so I totally believe that I did it other times. Like, but... Right. <laughs> But anyway, I, for whatever reason, he we have discussed the best calls to fucking lie about it. So let's move on. Yeah. Justin, uh, I don't think anything important happens before he starts explaining the Roy situation, right? Uh, yeah, they uh, they spend a couple days together, like uh, having fun uh, and whatnot. Right. Yeah. The, uh, it, and then she's she finally asks, uh, "What the hell was up with the guy that was hunting you?" <laughs> A fair question. Uh, so, it's a distant relative of one of the families. I don't remember the exact relation. The Aunt, uh, Niles says it was early on in the loop. He was still getting to know everyone, still feeling his way through it. Um, and this older guy shows up, who's a distant relative. And <laughs> so he, this whole scene is fantastic. Yeah. I love this scene. He's like, you being addicted to the bartender? And then Andy spouts off some quote. I wish I wrote it down. Um, and then he's like, on second thought, two shots of bourbon. And he's like, you want to score some blow? And they, they find out the, the officiant was holding. Yeah. And Andy's like, I got this. He just walks up and takes some blow out of his pocket while he's giving a speech. And he's like, I got yeah. it. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, what's uh, the guy going to do? Ask for his blowback while he's giving a speech? Right, right. I've never done blow, but I absolutely would if J.K. Simmons wanted to. Yeah. Just putting that out there. This scene looks so fun. You're right. They go sit in a bathtub while the dudes try like banging on the door. They end up in the in the in the desert again. And J.K. Simmons Roy says, "This is the best night of my life. I wish I could stay out here forever." Oof. <laughs> Oof. Bad, yeah. bad choice of words. Yeah. And so Niles takes him to the cave, and he's like, "Your ancestors are in there." Oh. Is it all, all the questions you've been, or all the answers you've been searching for? He's like, that's totally not the same thing, but okay. <laughs> but he does it anyway. He's like, all right, hell yeah. And so Roy gets brought into the loop. And then as Roy is walking down, uh, Niles starts realizing what he did and is attempting to call yeah. him back, but like ends right. up passing out from all the drugs. In right, he overdoses. It's too late at that point. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so that was the first person that Niles got stuck in the loop. Um, 
And of course, Roy does not take. <laughs> Roy to has it some well. anger issues. He has uh, murdered and tortured Niles in just about every conceivable way. Terrible. In a horrible murder montage, <laughs> he car batteries his nipples. He lights them on fire while he's in the pool. He waterboards. Yeah. Him. He waterboards. Him. <laughs> it's rough. Um, um. So I think after this sequence is where we start getting. Niles and Sarah having fun together. Um, Sarah's getting into the whole time loop thing. Yeah, very different kind of montage. <laughs> right, we get a good positive montage. Yes. Niles is grateful to have someone to talk to and spend time with. Mm-hmm. Um, they have they have agreed to not have sex for whatever reason. They think it would make it weird. Which, if I was uh, no, if I, I was an attractive absolutely... person stuck in eternity with another attractive person, yeah, no. and we agreed not to have sex, I'd probably kill myself. No. Which, again, would just reset the day. Well, I wouldn't agree <laughs> to not have sex. I would just be like, hey, do you want to just have sex forever? <laughs> so, you know. And so, they have a best friends montage. Yeah. Um, Aw, platonic best friends yeah, montage. Yeah, they go shoot some guns, <laughs> they steal an airplane, and then crash it in the desert. <laughs> I love the happy millionth birthday dipshit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they do it. They do. They get matching outfits and do a synchronized dance at this random bar that they go to. Um, for some reason, for I still haven't reason, figured out why they yeah, did that. And then they leave immediately afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then it. This montage ends with them doing mushrooms in the desert, which we don't know they're on mushrooms at the beginning of the scene. They're having a conversation and. Niles is saying he doesn't care about someone's past. He only cares about their future. Sarah says that's bullshit because if you want to know about someone on a deeper level, you need to know about the whole package. Mm-hmm. Um, and she tells him that, you know, she was married before and she got divorced. Um, she knew it wasn't going to work out from the very beginning. Um, and Niles has a really nice moment here where he, like, experiences something new for the first time in who knows how long. And they're both hallucinating dinosaurs. And he says, this is some really good mushrooms, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is the reveal most of the way through the scene. Um, they go to sleep in a tent, and then they have sex for the first time that Sarah, Sarah remembers. Uh, with the most uh, romantic line, should we just get this <laughs> out of the way? <laughs> yeah, I could have um, the, but, They okay. both knew it was going to happen, just like everyone else did. But then Sarah wakes up the next morning and she's not happy. Um, I don't remember if this is the point that it's revealed or if it happens she, later. This might be the it, reveal. This is it. This she, is the reveal. No, because there's that really sad moment where she wakes up and she looks really happy. And then... She's reminded of where she's right. waking up. Yeah. yeah. So Sarah, yes. the night before the wedding, Sarah had sex with the groom. Yep. And she woke, she stayed in his room. And so every morning of the loop, she wakes up in his bed while he's taking a shower. Yep. Um, and this is the one where she stays in bed so long enough that he walks in and says, you should probably go. Look, man, if you're going to play Superman, you're not allowed to have roles like this. <laughs> Was that the guy who played Superman and Supergirl? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. He, this guy has such an odd face. I can't tell if it's good odd or bad odd. It's just odd. And so this is what kickstarts Sarah. This is there's a real change in her at this point. Yeah. Um, Niles is he's pretty content. No, um, he's happy. He, like, yeah, he has stopped killing himself. Yeah. He was content before Sarah got pulled in, but now he's actively happy because he has someone to spend yeah. the time loop with. 
Um, and now he gets to have sex with her, too. Um, <laughs> yeah, he says something like, we may still wake up in the same place, but at least going, going to, bed to bed will be got a little, little bit better. better. Yeah. And but this is the loop. This is the day that tri- that triggers her to make a change because she can't keep waking up there. And Niles doesn't know this. He doesn't figure this out for another Until long while. Um, uh, from his point of view, it seems like he thinks he screwed up. Right. They're going for a drive. Her, yeah. And they're, he, he's real happy. And he's like, you seem kind of different this morning. And she's concerned about the cop that's been tailing them for miles and miles. Yeah. Um, and it, she speeds up, like she throws a beer can out the window and nothing. She speeds up to like 120 and then the cop pulls them over. Um, and at this point she has just decided to screw it. She is just going for it, you know, doing something stupid. Um, yeah, this is and, where she pulls out the whole white person being sassy. Right, and she like pre- well, first she pretends that like uh, Niles oh, is going to yeah. murder her, yeah, um, to like get the cop on her side, and then the cop comes out, and it turns out it's Roy. Roy stole a police well, car. Well, that's Niles. Uh, Niles had warned her that that's who right. He thinks it is right as soon as the and she's right. like, oh, well, I'm going to take this into my own hands since he won't do anything. Right, because but, she told Niles that have you? Ha-, she said she asked him if he had tried to have a conversation with Roy. Mm-hmm. She keeps telling Niles that he needs to face this man. Yeah. And talk to him and resolve this. But he refuses but to do it. Won't. He just wants to keep running. And which is kind of his w- thing for the whole yeah, movie. Yeah, this is this is a very important theme of the movie is Niles won't confront something and she has to force him to. Yeah. Um so it's Roy. He approaches the car with a shotgun, he's gonna shoot Niles. But Sarah hopped in the police cruiser and just slams Roy in between the two cars and the way he drops it's it was obviously a, a doll yeah. it's the, for that one shot of him falling to the ground it was obviously a, a, a doll a rag doll um, but it's still in the moment feels really ugh. like just seeing a, what's supposed to be a human body fall straight down like that um, I do love when he's like broken on the ground he's like who the fuck is <laughs> 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 yeah so, uh, but then an actual then an actual cop pulls up on a on a motorcycle, and she starts screwing with him. She's like, "Oh, I'm touching your bike. What you're gonna do? You gonna tase me?" And she dodges it, and the cop tases Niles. Yeah, um, and so that's when Niles falls on the ground face to face with Roy, and Roy's like, "Who the fuck was that?" <laughs> <laughs> and then they both get arrested, and that's where she gives him a talking to. Um, he he just wants to run away and live his life and be carefree and she's like no you need to you need to face this uh you need to talk to this man i did i did something for you 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 haven't done anything all these loops that you've been in i had to do it um and And then this is where he reveals that they have had sex quote like a thousand times and she realized that he's been lying to her this whole time um and she literally jumps in front of a truck. Right, she literally jumps in front of a semi again to get out of... She said, I'm getting out of this day. Which yeah. meant two, which was a twofold thing, because she was getting out of that specific day. She didn't want to be with Niles anymore. She ran and got in front of the semi. And also, she is determined to escape the loop. Which yeah. Niles doesn't understand. Um, which I will get to. I keep saying I'll get to this. Um, <laughs> I keep realizing it's farther and farther off. Oh, no. Because of where she disappears. Yeah. She Because... Yeah. Every, she wakes up before he does, so she is able to 
get out of the get away from the wedding before he even wakes up. Mm-hmm. Um, we there are a couple funny scenes that we skipped where, where before this and after this, Sarah will come and like knock on his door or just walk <laughs> into the room. And there's one that I love where she's like, "Come on, we gotta go." And um, Misty Niles' his girlfriend is like, "Are you cheating on me?" And Niles is like, "No, you're cheating on me, you goof." <laughs> <laughs> She is goes so beyond the wait, point of caring what? at this point. <laughs> yeah. Which is also interesting because um as far as like Misty cheating on him, we never really see him be very broken up about this because it, it kinda seems like he learned very early on that it's yeah. always going to happen. He, yeah. he he literally says, quote, There is no universe in which she and not uh she and Trevor don't end up together. Right. Yeah. And which is interesting because as I wrote in my notes, uh it kind of shows the difference between like within the time loop, things that can be changed versus inevitabilities, yeah, and that's something that they have to come to terms oh. with. Is that that's good, Stephanie? <laughs> is that Misty leaving him? Well, not officially, but Misty cheating on him and thereby leaving him is always going to happen. Her ending up with with Trevor, Trevor. is always yeah. going to happen, and there's nothing he can do about it. So it seems like he kind of came to terms with that pretty early right. on because he realized there was no universe in which it could be changed. Yeah, so he, he accepted that long ago. He is it, not, he's not broken up about that It anymore. also kind of seems like they weren't really on the same, like... No, uh, no. On the same playing field to begin with because, as she mentioned, like, he's a little older he's than old, her. Yeah. He's clearly in a very different part of life than her. She's still kind of just fucking around. Um, and that's why he vibes more with Sarah because they right. both have, are at a slightly more mature point or at least they have a little more baggage right so at this point sarah disappears for a while and niles is torn up about this because he he's in love with her yeah this is um, kind of where he realizes it right he realizes he's in love with her um and so he goes through who knows how many loops um just being distraught depressed getting shit face drunk crying to various <laughs> people that he misses her yeah um go, going to the bar <laughs> getting drunk um and all the while sarah is like learning everything she can about physics She's just quantum, quantum physics, physics yeah to the point we get a whole montage and then it ends up with her like facetiming uh what i can only presume is a, a someone with a doctorate and he's like well sounds like you don't actually need my help <laughs> yeah. yeah so i i love sarah's character so much she mastered quantum physics in these loops like she was determined to, to not to live that initiative. day she she had a she had a compelling reason to for sure yeah but i hate studying so much that i don't know if i could have done that but right. who knows how long you it have took. literally all the time in the yeah world, so you would have got around that's to true so that's true niles is really sad and then sarah comes back and this is where we get the f- oh did we I skip missed something an important? important development for Niles. Please. Um, so, real quick, while um, while this is happening, while Sarah is gone, she's off learning her stuff. Niles finally oh, right goes to talk to Roy. Like he actually goes to have a conversation with him. That's not the realization that I had, but that's I wasn't remembering that either. So yeah, you first. Oh, Continue. Okay. <laughs> so he shows up at Roy's house, which is something he has never done before. And Roy is so taken aback by it that he just kind of lets him in and like 
um, you know, pretends that he's his nephew or whoever. They go have yeah. a conversation in the backyard, and it's, like, weirdly chill, and you kind of right. get the feeling that if he had just done this to begin with, then maybe he wouldn't have gotten killed and Right, so, so Niles had never retaliated against Roy, and um, Roy... Uh, tells Niles that when Sarah rammed him with the car, he spent like several days slowly and painfully dying in the hospital because the nurses wouldn't let him fall asleep because they were afraid he'd go into a coma, which would have reset the day for him. Uh, Um, And so he never experienced that before. Niles has experienced slow and painful death many times, but it sounds like that was the first for Roy. And it opened his eyes and made him realize what he had been doing to Niles. Mm. And yeah. The first day that Roy meets Niles, he tells him that marriage is a bottomless pit of despair and other stuff. I don't remember the quote. Um, <laughs> Not positive. But stuck in the time loop, Roy has gained an appreciation for his wife and for his family. Yeah. Yeah, ironically, because he he he's seeing now that... From his perspective, from what he knows currently, he's not ever going to see his kids grow up. He's not ever going to, you know, be able to develop his relationship with his wife beyond what they can do in that one day. Um, And so he is very much like uh, learning to see his family in a new perspective and apparently his relationship too. And so by the time that Niall sees him, he's kind of... A, a real family man at this point like yeah he's very committed to that role and it's he's no longer angry either right right and this is where it really starts to you really start to see how this time loop could be changing them for the better if they allow themselves to change right yeah the thing that i realized was niles figures out that sarah slept yes. with groom yes because before Mm -hmm. i'm sorry no finish your thought no no i was gonna say before we move on i just want to talk about one of my favorite jokes in the movie uh is at the end of the roy scene where uh he's like could you just kill me one more time (laughs) skip the traffic (laughs) he like puts him in the recycling and shoots him with an arrow (laughs) i love that bit now continue with your no no, it's a good bit i talked about it the last time we watched the movie too he puts his sunglasses down (laughs) i like using the death as a mechanic to avoid an hour and a half of traffic which (laughs) is funny but also extremely bleak like wow you guys really have been here a while yeah, also, I can't imagine an arrow in the heart would kill you instantly. But yeah, what do that's I know? my only qualm with that. I'm like, I don't want to die slowly in a trash can. Like, <laughs> that doesn't sound... Bleeding out in the bottom of the recycling bin. Like, at least shoot me, like, in the head or something. Like, or maybe the neck. Like, I don't know. Yeah, there are better ways he could have done it. But, you know, for old times' sake, shoot him with an arrow. It's nostalgia. <laughs> do the give him a boromir like three arrows all in the on the chest region so niles figures out that sarah slept with the groom yes niles the first night that sarah remembers meeting him uh knows what hairspray she is wearing it's orchid explosion by fournier (laughs) he says i have a girlfriend that used to bathe in it and I posit that that girlfriend is Misty, the one he's currently with. He's just talking about her in the past sense. Because they're both bridesmaids for um, Sarah's sister, Tala. And Sarah 
got Orchid Explosion as a gift from Tala. So it made sense to me that Misty would also get yeah, it as a gift sense. from Tala. My reading um, of that was that he didn't have a girlfriend who used to bathe in it, and he, he just, just knows what that, she wears. Yeah, he learned uh, at one of the past loops. That oh, it was you know what? Her. It is only her, and it wouldn't be Misty because I'll get to this in a second. So he's hanging out with the uh, the groomsmen doing some of Trevor's blow. Actually, he's not. He's too depressed. <laughs> the, the rest um, of them are doing. He's yeah, just kind of sitting there. He falls over on the pillow, and he recognizes the scent on uh, the groom's pillow. And he, like, goes and confronts him in at the, the, the reception, like, throws the pillow at him. And this is where he says, does anyone else here wear Organ Explosion by Fournier? And nobody does. So he could have only, it could have only been Sarah. Misty Yeah, I guess it, it wasn't Misty. Um... Now Niles understands why Sarah is not content to live the day over and over again like he is. He he doesn't care who he, that he wakes up with Misty. Um, to, it's he can do whatever he wants guilt free because she cheats on him at the end of the day, but she yeah. can't relive that morning just pretending that nothing happened and going and having fun with Niles every day when she keeps waking up in yeah. the same bed as her sister's husband. Yeah, that's really true. Yeah. That's like a very literal the past coming back to haunt you every single day. Right. She can't escape it. He is perfectly content because he, he doesn't have that. And now he understands why she has run away. Why he can't find her anywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that definitely makes sense because once again, that's an inevitability. Like, because it happened outside the time loop. Like, no matter how many things you can change inside the time loop, you can't change the past. And, like, that is a piece of her past that she has to wake up with every single time, and she can never change. Like, she can change how she responds to it, which is, you know, what we can do in life, but she cannot change what already happened. Right. And she doesn't want to be reminded of it every single day. So, uh, this leads me back to something I forgot to bring up. The... In addition to the suicide, the first thing, one of the first things that Sarah tries to escape the time loop is the Groundhog Day pl- point, like the plot, the con- conceit of li- being totally selfless. That's true. So she yeah. says, what if yeah. I just live a totally selfless, perfect day or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And she tells her sister while they're at the altar about to say their vows that she slept with him. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> she and does try it, yeah. She tries it and it doesn't break the loop. Um and this so, time around she right. she So going back, yeah. She she is determined that uh if they blow themselves up with enough plastic explosives while going through the time loop, which apparently takes 3.2 seconds to traverse, they might escape the loop. This is where we get into the actual final day. She goes to Niles and she offers him to, for him to come with her. At, this is the first time they've and, seen each other in however long it's been. Right, this is really where he, he tells her that he loves her. And she wants him to come with her, and he is asking her not to go and to stay with him. Yeah, because he's gotten to the point where he's been here so long that this is the only thing that like makes sense to him at this point. Yeah. Like... He he knows how things work in here. He has arguably more control over it than anyone else. And he doesn't have to worry about real life. 
And we don't really know what kind of life he had before because he barely even remembers it at this point. But we can probably infer that it wasn't anything very meaningful. Like, he probably didn't have a lot of people that he really cared about or that really cared about him. Uh, just a dog, as we find out later. Um, and Misty, of course, but that wasn't going anywhere. Right. So right after he declines to go with Sarah, he breaks up with Misty. And she he knows she doesn't really like him. And she even admits it. Yeah. But she's just upset that she didn't get to be the one to do the breaking up. And she's like, it was my idea. I thought of it first. Oh, it breaks up with me. Um, what does Niles uh, do? Sarah busts in on uh, Abe in the shower and says that she's done being shitty. Yes. And gives him a talking to and he starts breaking down. In the, <laughs> he's like, I'm just like my dad. Shower. Yeah, Oof. he's crying and she's like, yeah, whatever. And leaves. <laughs> That's that's dark. <laughs> she she's done. She's done feeling sorry for herself. Mm-hmm. Um, she leaves. What does Niles do the rest of the day? Do we even follow him? Uh, he goes and gets. He goes to that bar. Right. He goes oh, to the bar and he doesn't and he's, like, drink. Being depressed there. He, he doesn't even have anything to drink. Um, she gives her speech that Niles saved her from so many times to get her to sleep with him. But she actually and does she it this she time. gives a really good speech this mm-hmm. time. Um, mm-hmm. and one thing that this movie has is fantastic facial acting when she does the stereotypical looking at the groom and saying, don't fuck this up. And like, it holds on her after he says, I won't. And she goes, good. Like, the, oh, that hold on her face. There's so many things <laughs> that happen right there. Yeah. The, I do really like the facial acting in this movie there. There aren't. Like, there are quick cuts, but it's not so fast that, like, you can't take a moment to appreciate facial expressions. I remember in particular when they were talking by the little campfire, um, when they were doing shrooms or whatever, there were some really long holds on each of their faces as they were, like, talking. Mm -hmm. They were capturing a lot of, like, really small expressions, and I I always appreciate that. Um, It adds a lot. Like, um, and yes, you saw so much of her emotional journey on her face when she was giving that speech like especially when she was talking to the groom like um they both know what happened like and at this point i guess she is choosing she is deciding that the better option is not to rat him out but to basically indicate to him that he better not give her a reason. He has to. a chance to be better now. In yeah, the exactly. She is giving him that opportunity to never make that mistake again, because she she doesn't want to ever make it again. Right, and that's so her she... kind of final act, right? Before she wants to get out. Cut to her and her bridesmaid's dress marching up to the cave with a belt of C four <laughs> thrown over her shoulder. <laughs> She's pretty badass today. <laughs> uh, ding! That's another community reference. <laughs> yes, um, so Niles tries to make his way back to her because he realizes that even though he's scared, he would rather be out of the time loop and be with her mm-hmm. than be here where he has control and can do whatever he wants. Um, he steals a truck, which breaks down, and then he has to hitch a ride with the dude that they. <laughs> There's a dude that, like, owns a range that they went shooting at before. Yeah. And he tells him he's his son. And gets, <laughs> g- gets a ride. Uh, also, to test this experiment, Sarah stole that guy's goat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that goat was no longer in the day, which didn't make sense to me. 
Because even once Niles escapes the day, there's still a version of Niles that's there at the party for Roy to talk to. Mm. So I don't understand how she could ever get a proof of concept because, like, she can't ask the goat, okay, like, I... Yeah. I I don't know. Maybe she just killed that goat. Yo, she killed that goat. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm not going to get into that. That's that's some horrible minutia that I don't want to think about. It doesn't matter. Anyway. For the purposes of the story, the goat got out of the loop. Right. And Niles makes his way back and he makes it to Sarah right before she walks into the cave. And he gives the big emotional speech about, I don't know, how he's learned and he's grown and he wants to be with her and he loves her. And I don't remember a lot of the finer points of it. It's very the airport chase or like chasing the person to the airport before they leave kind of thing that rom-coms do. But it's chasing someone to a cave before they They blow blow. themselves up to exit a time loop (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so she gives him a bit of a bit of a not really a talking to but just like realistically laying things out and saying like okay let's do this but then when they're in the cave about to hit the button she's like just in case i don't see you again i love you yeah yeah so and then they be kissing i know there's that beautiful (laughs) kiss with an explosion behind the moment right and then it's ambiguous because it just cuts to them chilling in a pool so it's obviously the same pool that they've been in right yeah um which Every now and then, Niles would go to this random couple's house, which is in the middle of fucking nowhere, and go chill in their pool because they're on vacation. <laughs> and we realize the time loop is broken when the family shows up, and Niles is like, well, guess they come back November 10th. Yeah, they're like, we're at our pool. Uh, which I'm like, you've been in this pool so many times. Why is the first thing you would do in your time loop? <laughs> Well, why would that be the first thing you do? Go a place that you've been that many times? Like, wouldn't you be like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting the fuck out of here? <laughs> Maybe it's like they're saying goodbye to that, I'm sure that's what it is, <laughs> like, for old times' sake. But yeah, the family comes back, which is kind of our moment of realizing, okay, they really did get out of the loop. Yes. Because the family mm-hmm. never came back in the in the time loop. And so that's the, the last we see of Niles and Sarah. Um... Or those versions of them, I should say. Um, And so it's pretty much, I guess we have to assume that maybe like Groundhog Day, the last day, was the real one. Right. That's what I'm working off of. Yeah. I don't know. That actually, I'm kind of wondering that now. I'm like, it makes sense. Was it the last one or was it the first one? Yeah. It would have to be one or the other, right? It would have to be... Hmm. I don't know. I think we're meant to assume it's the last. It's implied one. that it's the last yes. one. Yes. And then we get the the stinger at the end. Yeah, that a nice little ending. Sarah scene. sent Roy plans to get himself out of the loop, um, and we know it worked because, or Roy knows it worked because he talks to Niles, and Niles has no idea who he is. Yeah, and it's this great little moment where. Roy realizes that Niles got out of the loop because he, yeah, because he's like, um, hi, like he has no idea who this guy is. And, the, and <laughs> so the realization kind of dawns like, and it's a nice hopeful ending because you realize like Roy's going to be able to get himself out of the loop too. Right. Also worth noting that uh, Niles is in a suit instead of his Hawaiian uh, shirt outfit from the rest oh, of the Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I guess the Niles that he sees now is the Niles from the first night. Day. The first day. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so now we can move on to 
big impressions, mm, final thoughts. Big pictures. Okay. This movie is, I think it's more about getting pulled out of your rut by someone else. Like, that's literally yeah. what happens to Niles. Was yeah. he's He's kind of in a rut. He's accepted his position. It's safe. And Sarah has to force him to yes. grow and change and to pull him out of this funk that he's stuck in. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, this, this one... I wrote down in my notes, unlike Groundhog Day, the loop can't be broken by good deeds. So what is the lesson? Uh, and I think you have to think about it a little harder with this one. Because with Groundhog Day, it's pretty cl- it's a pretty clear one-to-one. Like, okay, he's an asshole. He learns to not be an asshole and gets out of the loop by becoming a good person. Yeah. But in this one, the loop is not a moral force. It is a, a physical or you know quantum physical force right it it is not trying to teach them a lesson they learn the lesson by having to deal with the circumstances they are forced into um which makes it a different kind of narrative for sure um because a lesson is still learned but you have to think about it a little bit harder i guess right it's i feel in my soul that they are different and saying different things but i cannot (laughs) put to words the ways in which they are different. I think that Palm Springs is more about relationships in general. Or, yes. And, and it is it is made that way, first of all, by the fact that there are two people stuck in the loop. and Which is kind of what relationships with other people often feels like. It feels like two people living the same day over and over again. Um, one yeah. of them is content to right. content where he is and the other has to pull him forward. Right, and that's where kind of where the conflict comes from is when you are stuck you are stuck in the same place at the same time together but you want different things and you need different things. And that's mm-hmm. that's kind of the fundamental aspect of of conflict within relationships that you have to solve. I I do feel like um Groundhog Day which I'm not gonna say anything you guys haven't already said but groundhog day was definitely about phil um becoming a kinder and more fulfilled person um because before his loop started he was very clearly he hated his job he resented um the amount of respect he was getting he didn't really care for anyone uh this one it's not necessarily the case um sarah niles um especially sarah as we're led to believe before they got to their loops were flawed people but they're not like in the loop as some type of weird it's not purgatory punishment yeah it's purgatory for phil for them it's just a shitty situation that they have to find themselves they happen to find themselves in Mm. and they have to adjust to and learn to escape from um yeah and it doesn't really make the same point because i feel like uh niles gets out of it 100 percent because of sarah so in that his <laughs> journey kind of mirrors feel uh fills but sarah and she even says it in the movie sarah would have been fine with or without niles she would have figured it out right so. and he he does get out because of her but he has to, he is the one who has to make the choice to follow her right like she shows him the way out and he then has to make the Which, choice to pursue it that's not an easy choice no because if i were stuck on a vacation forever and ever and i was in there for who knows how many years 
And then I had to go back to the real world <laughs> and work at a job and pay bills and get stuck in traffic. I yeah. <laughs> That would not be an easy decision to make. I'd be like, you mean I've been spending eternity in a Hawaiian shirt, lounging in a pool, drinking beer, and now I have to go back to a job that I don't even remember? I It would be yeah. difficult to adjust to. <laughs> I, I know that's kind of the fridge horror aspect of both of these is that after you've lived that long in a in a time loop where there's no consequences there's very little consequence um, you can more or less do whatever you want uh, the, there is no future like nothing you do affects the future you don't have to have a job you only have to have money to a certain extent like yeah. the the <laughs> it's like a uh, a brief vision of a capitalism free universe um but then as soon as you escape from it you have to get launched back into all of that and that's really distressing to think about and i kind of almost would love to see a follow-up to that or like how you readjust to that kind of kind of existence after you have been in a place where things don't matter I don't know how that would work. But, uh, the the sequel is called Leaving Palm Springs or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. That brings us to our audience question this week, which I thought it would be a, a quick, fun one. Um, how long do you think you would last in a time loop before you A, went insane, or B, started actively trying to find your way out? Uh, or kill yourself? Like, uh, Hmm. Um... It depends on where I was stuck. Yeah. And what situation I was stuck in. Like, if I was Niles, I don't know. It'd probably be a while. Sarah, uh, understandable why you would try and get out of uh, Let's say let, Let's say it's Groundhog Day. You were in Groundhog Day. Okay, that works. How long do you give yourself? Um, I would try to get out of there so fast. I would not want to be stuck in that town, and I would not want to hear that fucking song. Um, and it would be cold, too, so... I would try to get out of there so fast. Now, I don't know how fast I would jump to the suicide option because I would be really afraid that that would just kill me permanently. Like, um, so I think I would have to be in there a while before I would try that one. But I would definitely be trying some other stuff. Um, of course, that being said, I don't really know how much else you could try <laughs> to get out. I say I say two solid weeks. I'd catch up on my Netflix queue, oh do some reading, really take some me yeah, time, yeah, and then start figuring it out. Uh, uh, yeah, that's the thing. It would, yeah, it would, it would depend a lot on the circumstances. Like if I was at least stuck with Caleb or something, I I could last a lot longer. But if I by some chance was stuck somewhere that I really just already didn't want to be. I would be like, I gotta get out, I gotta get out, like, just hardcore. <laughs> like, yeah, like, there are some situations where maybe it could be a cool day to relive over and over, though you wouldn't want to for obvious reasons, but some would be better to experience than others. Like, if I'm on vacation, sure. If I'm at a wedding, like, in Palm Springs, yeah, I could go for that. Like, other stuff, though, mm, I don't know. But it already kind of feels like living the same day over and over again right now. So, who knows? Haven't. Yeah, that's a weird question to ask in quarantine. I know. Well, I haven't tried to end it all yet, so I guess we're all good here. <laughs> we're great. Everything's fine. How are you? 
That was a Star Wars reference. Hey, we changed <laughs> it up. All right, I think we're about ready to end it for the night. <laughs> yeah, for the night. <laughs> I wake up in a different day tomorrow. Let's... Hopefully. <laughs> All right, so on that chipper note, yeah. uh, let us know your answer to the questions on our social media. We are on Twitter at SoundsFilmiliar. Uh, I'm Justin Butler. You can find me on social media everywhere at BlameItOnButler. I'm Caleb. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at actual underscore Caleb. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at Steph has no name and on Letterboxd at Raise Left Boob. Which she's going to get around to change in one of these days. Uh, no. No, it's here <laughs> forever. We're stuck with it. Just commit. Yep. Time loop. <laughs> All right, everyone. We love you today, tomorrow, and for as long as you're in this time oh, loop. Oh, no. Good night. <laughs> Good night, guys. Thank you so much for listening to our show. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at SoundsFamiliar. If you'd like to get in contact with us, drop us a line at SoundsFamiliar at gmail.com. We'd like to thank our friend Chelsea for our logo. Be sure to check her out on Instagram at ChelseaBHDesigns. We'd also like to thank Shane Quick for our theme music. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes. We'll see you next time on Sounds Familiar.